Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. Well, we finally made it into Mark, a series that we began back in January. Good job, everybody. We've been uh, looking at Jesus as king, uh, this call to follow him. The first half was, was heavy on that. Jesus is the king who calls us to follow him, and then we looked at the things he did to validate his authority as king. The second half, we looked at uh, the king's cross, what, it, this distinctive break halfway through the Gospel of Mark, where the tone changes, and it's way less power and victory and impressive, and it's a lot more conflict, a lot more misunderstanding, a lot more hard and scary things uh, to talk about, and that's because Jesus is showing us what kind of king he is, and if we're going to follow him, then we should expect uh, a particular pattern to our lives. Uh, This pattern that we're going to look at today is the pattern of, of death and resurrection. We see that in our text super clearly, and and we're going to hold both of these things together, focusing mostly on the resurrection. But there's a there's a moment in my life where I experienced a, a death. It was when I was, I think I was around 23. I had already experienced one death, which was to let my dream of being a doctor go and pursue being a, a pastor. It was a big, big shift, letting a, a death, a dream die. And so I thought, okay, that, that death is behind me now. Everything will be resurrection all the time, up and to the right riding the wave uh, on into glory, but that was not how it went. I, I uh, joined a church and volunteered a lot, and I eventually uh, became an intern at a church, and was just like trying to, you know, just going for it, super excited to get get into uh, the, the nitty-gritty of church life, and then um, I was let go from that job. It was, it, was an, it was a strange experience, because it was like, you're doing a great job, I want you to keep doing what you're doing, just don't come to the office during the week or something. It was like, we want you to go get another job or whatever. And, and you know, when I, I think about I think about how I am now, and I think about how I was at 23, think about what I know, <laughs> what God's done in the year, the decades or so since then. I was like, yeah, there's a lot of rough around the edges stuff, a lot of unawareness uh, that, that needed to grow then. Um, but it was a messy situation. It was a hurtful situation. And experientially, at 23, having thought that I already died to death and was just going to kind of like cruise on into ministry glory, no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also, we will also live with him. There's something that happens to us when we follow Jesus into these rhythm, into this rhythm of death and new life. There's an old self, an old Thing in us, or our flesh, or sin nature that is dying, that needs many little deaths, so that new life can be birthed, can be created. I experienced this when when I allowed my dream of being a doctor to die. Being a doctor is a great thing. There are doctors here. We love doctors. We need doctors. A lot of ways to serve God and being a doctor. But for me, I. I the dream was mired in my own idolatry. It was my 
my plan to be a Christian and not need God because I could provide my own needs, make all the money I want. People would approve. Like when I'm at wedding receptions, I'd say I'm a doctor. People would approve of me. And if I was ever wondering if I could make a difference, I, I could know because I could cut people open and fix problems. And none of those things are bad in and of themselves, but I was using it to replace God in my life. And so God had to kill that dream even something as good as being a doctor, so that there was space for new life where I could see God provide for my needs, God to provide the approval I need, and God to affirm my significance, not for what I do, but for who I am in Christ. Something had to die to make space for God to birth this new life. And I think the same is true of churches. It happens on an individual level, and I think it happens on a on a church-wide level. I think most of us here want to see new life at Carl Road Baptist Church. We want to see families join. We want to see lost people saved. We want to see a new generation of leaders step into place the work of the ministry. But I believe there's no way for us as a church family to experience this new life without some type of experience of death. So there's some type of process that might feel like death as a church family. I'm, I'm only in my first year, I guess my second year here as a pastor, but as I pray and listen to God, listen to a lot of people, I'm just wondering if God is inviting us at a, at a church family level to embrace this pattern of death and resurrection in order to see new life that we all want to see. Like we'll, we'll talk about this more moving forward in the months, years ahead. I want to invite you to join me in praying about what this pattern, this, this pattern rooted in the, the very life of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, this pattern of death and new life, what that might look like for us here as a church family. I don't know what it sounds like to you. It might sound scary, and, and, and it is to some degree. You know, like what, what did Jesus feel as he was approaching the cross, his sweating blood? But the fact of the resurrection, it changes our posture towards the, the, the thought of death, the thought of times that feel like death. And that's the second one. What's the posture of people who understand, whose understanding of reality is rooted in the historical fact of the resurrection? Well, it's, it's our main point that we can walk through life with hope, which is to say we can walk through life expecting good. Or to say it in the words of the most famous psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The posture of a Jesus follower is one of radical hope. <coughs> a fearlessness in the face of evil. Someone who can be mired in a situation that just feels completely hopeless, that feels absolutely crushing, but can look up, can open hearts, open our hearts to what God might be wanting to birth in that pain, what new life he might want to bring up. This is different than a pre-resurrection life. I was struck by this in uh, <clears throat> chapter 16, verse 1, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. I realized in studying this passage that sometimes like, I kind of like 
project an expectation of the resurrection on these women and the disciples. Uh, like that, you know, that if they're waking up the way my kids do on Easter morning, like, what did the Easter Bunny bring? Let's go see the resurrection. That's not what these women were doing. They, they had spices to anoint Jesus' dead body to finish the burial preparation process that had to be cut short because of the Sabbath. They were, they were not going looking for this, this stone to be rolled away. And I, and I wonder how much of us walk through life that way. Like we love Jesus, we're committed to him, we'll do our duty even when it's hard, but we're not actually looking for new life. We're just trudge along grinding away because we're supposed to. I mean, resurrection gives us an invitation to walk through life expecting good. Even in the worst circumstances, we can look to Jesus' dead body in the tomb. And before that, Jesus naked nailed to a cross, one of the darkest, most awful moments in human history, and see that it was that. It was that moment. Not in spite of it or despite of it, but because of it or through it, that God brought about new life for you and me. So on this side of the resurrection, we, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death without being paralyzed by fear. We walk with courage in the face of fear. We walk with our eyes up, expecting good from God, with God and his goodness bigger in our minds and our calculations than the death we're surrounded by. This doesn't mean we aren't, it doesn't mean we aren't sad sometimes. It doesn't mean that we have to be happy, clappy, or never acknowledge suffering. It means that when we're in the pit, when a situation feels like death, we can say to God, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't know how redemption will come from this. It feels like I'm dying. I don't see any way this can be good. That's a good prayer to ask. I would say in the valley of shadow of death, that might be the most true prayer. The, the strongest act of faith is to look to God and pour out your complaints and say, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're doing here. I was talking to, uh, to, to Rick this week. He gave me permission to share this story because he's in a situation with work that feels like death, like crucible, and he's miserable. And I appreciated your honesty, brother, and just sharing that struggle, struggle with me. Uh, but what was profound and, and as he's processing this with me was that he mentioned a time years ago when he experienced another big transition to work where he was teaching at middle school and uh, it got transferred or something changed where he had to go to elementary school and he thought it was all over. He thought, he, he, like, how could this be good? Something terrible was going away, but he said it turned out to be one of the most beautiful things for his career. Like, God brought such good things out of it. And I just feel like this captures exactly what I'm trying to say. It's like, here I am in another situation that feels like that. Even though I can look back and see how God brought new life in that situation, I still just, I don't get it. I hate this. I don't know how it's going to turn out good. That's a beautiful posture of faith. Like, I can testify to God's redemption in the past, even while I, I hate this, I don't get it, I don't like it, I don't want it to happen. I know he can do it, but I'm just going to wait. It's the posture of a Jesus follower who can be honest about the pain uh, and testify to God's faithfulness in the past and just wait in the gaps. Wait to see how God is going to bring resurrection out of death. 
situation that seems hopeless. But you can walk through life expecting good because of the resurrection. And if I could put this in a word, it'd be curiosity. And this, this is the process, cultivating curiosity about how is God going to bring about resurrection. When we're in, in the valley of the shadow of death, we, we have options of what we put before our minds, what we spend our time doing, that will dramatically change the degree to which we experience this resurrection. We can be curious about how new life is, is going to come, and often it will surprise us. So maybe maybe a deaf might be not able to drive anymore. I know what several of us have had to experience in our church family as we age. Um, new life doesn't mean necessarily a miracle to where your eyes get better or something changes that you can drive again. Like the, the ability to drive might be dead in the ground and resurrection might look different. Maybe resurrection means you have a slower pace of life where you, you can't do as much. And so it's an invitation to experience the fact that God loves you not for what you do, but for who you are. Or just dream with me here. Let's, let's have some resurrection imagination. You can't drive anymore. You need to go somewhere. So you ask your, your non-Christian neighbor for a ride. Which, side note, is one of the best ways to build goodwill with your neighbors. Not to offer them favors, but to ask them for one. This is Benjamin Franklin's strategy. <laughs> ask them for favors. It's a great way to make connections. And so there you are in a car with your neighbor. And what if through that relationship, you being able to be the presence of Jesus, not because you're winning and you're up and to the right, but because you're getting old and you can't drive anymore. And so here you are meeting this other person and now you can share the good news of Jesus with your neighbor while you're being served by your neighbor to get to the grocery store or wherever. And God could use that to change the eternal destiny of someone. Because you embrace the death of not being able to drive and you're eyes up, open-hearted about where God might want to bring it's just an example. I'm just dream, dream with me about how might God take something that feels like it's over, or like my life is over, I can't go anywhere or do anything, losing my independence. How might, in that weakness, God be strong? But we do have choices. You can't drive anymore, and so you could, you know, just get a bigger, fancier TV and order a lot of delivery. Just eat, watch TV until it all falls apart. You know, like you have options about what you do in those deaths. You have options about whether you're going to open your heart to resurrection, see what God might do in it, or just shut it down and try to get through or nothing. The invitation to be curious when we're going through times of death requires us to slow down. The, the cultivating curiosity is going to require us to slow down. We can fear no evil in the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because the Lord is with us. But are we with him? Are we present to him? God has promised to be present with us in the valley of the shadow of death. Will we be present to him? Be present to the God who comforts us. Oftentimes people either check out, you know, it's a fight or flight when we're in death. Either check out with their, you know, getting Chinese food delivered or ramp it up and try to do more activity to just ignore the pain or work through the pain. And I could probably do a whole sermon on this, but 
I think it's so profound that in God's timing and manifold wisdom, Jesus died on a Friday afternoon. Because in the Jewish rhythms, the Sabbath began on Friday night. Uh, which is why Friday was the day of preparation, as our text said, and which is why they weren't able to finish doing all the burial duties uh, for Jesus, because the Sabbath came and everything shut down on the Sabbath, uh, which ended Saturday, Saturday night. And so the women and the disciples, Jesus' closest friends, they're, they're grieving even while they embrace this rhythm of Sabbath, this rhythm of, of worship, of resting and delighting. Oh, it was arguably the darkest day in between death and resurrection. Historically, the church has called that Holy Saturday. It's a profound liturgical church calendar day of this idea of Sabbath, of resting and delighting in between the death and resurrection in the midst of darkness and grief. I think for those who have years to hear Sabbath is the invitation in times of death and darkness to to do less for God in order to be with God more. Because it's in the slowness, in that space of quiet before God, of honesty with our emotions. We have courage to tell God how we feel. And we have the courage to be silent, to not try to come up with answers, to just listen and wait for Him. It's in that space, I think, is where resurrection can happen, where birth, new birth can happen. And pulling it out of our lives to our individually to our lives together as a church family, it's, it's not. I don't think it's a hard sell to see that um, at Carl Road Baptist Church we we experienced. <clears throat> but I had a, a Zoom call with Pastor Rick when I was applying for the job. He told me he said, "Josh, I've buried a congregation. Pastor Rick did 150 funerals in his 15 or 16 years." Yeah, man, that's like literal, literal death. And as we look uh, to change, as we look to adapt for a new season of ministry, as we continue to, to embrace uh, our church family and probably have a, a few more funerals in the future, can we together unite prayerfully, expectantly, with this radical hope where we expect good because of the resurrection? We look at things that we don't like or things that are hard or sad and we're just like, Oh, that hurts so bad. God, how are you going to bring about good to that? What, what, what new life are you going to birth out of this? How can this be a seed that goes into the ground and dies and produces fruit? So we wait and ask God those questions. We pray for that new life and that new fruit together. And, and how fun would it be to, to chart the history of Carl Road Baptist Church and see this season uh, that we're in now as, as the seed, that, as, the, as the log of the forest floor that produces more life than we ever thought imaginable. Thank you for tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. 
If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.